is from Isaiah chapter 35, which can be found on page 720 of the Church Bibles, and we'll be taking in the whole chapter. Chapter 35, Joy of the Redeemed. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sands will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord had rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you. Uh, It was meant to be Robin preaching today, and uh, for various reasons, Robin's not quite able to to preach. But I think this reading, Robin, will encourage you. I think particularly, uh, I'm sure you know, one of the verses will encourage you uh, uh, as we we dwell in this, as we read this, as we, uh, as we, uh, as the Lord's word speaks to us, wherever we are, uh, the Lord will speak to us. So, Uh, Let's pray that he will. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is timeless, eternal, and true. And that your word always has a particular uh, word for us. Your word always speaks into our lives at the point that we read it, as we hear it preached, uh, as we dwell in it, as we meditate upon it. Your word always speaks to us afresh. Lord, we, uh, we want to hear your word afresh in our hearts this morning so that we can go out from this place to be people of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. One week left and the ordeal will be over. <laughs> One week to Christmas. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard anybody put it like that. Uh, It's a slightly negative way of thinking about it, but it may be the way that you're thinking about it right now in the privacy of your own heart. You may not even want to admit that to anybody, but perhaps Christmas is an ordeal to you. 
Um, maybe it's not. But it's amazing, isn't it, how we can get sucked into the way that the world is and the way the world does things. And, of course, uh, Christmas probably, well, I'm, I'm sure it is, is the most, uh, for shops, uh, the most, um, you know, the, 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 the time of year that people go shopping. If not, you know, it is. It is the high point in the year for shopping. Um, and, and so easily we can lose sight of what it's all about. Uh, we can lose sight of, of the truth that is behind this time of year, that amazing, wonderful, mysterious truth that in Jesus, God has become flesh. And yet for many people, Christmas can be a time not of joy and celebration, but a time of sadness and frustration. Maybe even an ordeal we just have to kind of grit our teeth and get through. And that's when our focus isn't right. But when we get our focus right, we get our eyes fixed on Jesus, who this is all about. And so it shouldn't be an ordeal, it should be a joy. It should be a time of gladness. It can be a time of gladness. I wonder if you've ever been asked the question, what have you got to smile about? What are you smiling about? And what have we got to smile about at this time of year? Well, let me tell you, if you don't know, I'm going to tell you. What we've got to smile about is that Jesus has come to us and that Jesus has given us his love. He's given us himself and we have something to smile about. And yet the question is all around us. What have you got to smile about? And sometimes that joy that we've been thinking about already, that joy that we have within us, that has been placed within us, that joy may just be being taken away from us, little by little perhaps. Uh, It might be the evil one who just tries to plant those doubts and fears in our hearts and says, really? You know, is it really all about Jesus? And he he just plants that question in, in our minds. Or maybe you've got a a family member who's really quite cynical and says, is it really all about Jesus? Do you really believe that? Or it may be in our own hearts. And and maybe for for different reasons that we're kind of being, you know, the cares and the worries of this world are kind of dragging us down. And into this, this scene of doubt and confusion, hear what Isaiah says. Hear the whisper of God as he speaks through Isaiah. He says, rejoice and be glad. What have you got to smile about this morning? It's this. It's that the Lord has come and he gives his gift of joy to those who accept him. That's what I want to to get across to you this morning, if I can. It's that the Lord gives joy to those who have open hearts to him. And it's a joy and a peace that the world cannot give, and nor can the world understand it. Let's just bore down on that idea a little bit of of where we we find joy, where we find peace. You may disagree with me, but I think the world confuses two things. I think the world confuses joy and fun. Joy and fun. And, and generally, I'm making a massive generalization here, but generally speaking, the world says you get your joy through having fun. 
Now, this is an example, and it's not the best example, and, uh, you know, it isn't the best example, but some people find their joy by going shopping. Apparently, some people do. I, I don't quite get it, but some do. Um, some, some of us would say, what? You know, you get your joy through going shopping. Well, that's what the, the, the invitation is, you know, from all the, the, the shops around us, is that, you know, if you go shopping, you're going to have fun. And, you know, you're going to find fulfillment. You're going to find joy as you go shopping. I'm not going to name any shops, but that's what they say. But what happens? You go shopping, and you get stuck in a queue. You get stuck in a car park. You get stuck in the, in the, in the aisles where you're shopping. You, you get, you know, if you go shopping with anyone, you might fall out with a person you're shopping with, and they go off in a huff, and you're there left, you know, saying, well, what have I done? And, you know, you might have children or grandchildren with you, and they get off in a huff because you're not buying them the thing that they want. And everybody gets tired, everybody gets irksome, and, you know, your husband gets in a mood and he goes off in the other direction. It's meant to be fun. And yet it's quite the opposite. It can be quite the opposite. It can be quite stressful. And yet we're promised fulfillment, and yet we're left with far from it. Far from it. And yet we go back again. Now, there's nothing wrong with shopping. Don't get me wrong. Of course, we all go, we go shopping. We've got to go shopping because we've got to. But, you know, just we don't find our fulfillment there. We don't find joy there. There's nothing wrong with it. You've got to go shopping. The economy would go under if we didn't go shopping. Let's face it. Of course. It's not the prob- that's not the problem. There's a deeper problem, isn't there? And then, and then contrast that with what Isaiah says. Isaiah, first and foremost, is a prophet. And he's, he's prophesying, he's looking ahead. And he's looking ahead at a time when the people of God are in a very difficult place. They are very, in a very difficult place. They are full of fear, full of anxiety. Because all around them are enemies. Every single way they look, around their borders are enemies, there are predators, there are jackals. They're, 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 the land is dry, the land is parched. Uh, they're, they're fierce and arid deserts. The people are worn out, they're struggling, their knees are giving way, their hearts are downcast, and if that's not bad enough, they are to be taken into captivity by the Babylonians. So have they got a reason to wear a smile? Well, on the surface of it, No. Why would you feel joyful if you've got all of that going on? And yet Isaiah says they have every reason to be joyful. They have a reason to wear a smile. And the reason for that joy is this. Verse 4. Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. God is coming, Isaiah. Isaiah speaks into their hearts into the situation they're in and he says God is coming he's not abandoned you he hasn't forgotten you he is with them he's coming the joy will come the gladness will return because the glory of God will burst upon them more than that gladness and joy will overtake them what a wonderful truth And I want to give you three reasons today why you and I can be joyful, full of joy. Because firstly, the Lord 
gives new life to those who are thirsty. Secondly, the Lord gives salvation and healing to those who are weak. And thirdly, the Lord gives a way, a clear way to those who are confused. Let's look at those one by one. The Lord gives life to the thirsty. I wonder if you've ever been thirsty. Now, I don't mean just, you know, I want to drink thirsty, but really thirsty. You know, if you've ever been to a desert or a dry land, an arid place, and you have maybe experienced that thirst, real thirst. We lived in Australia for a few years. It's a really hot land. It's a very, very dry land. And it is, it is easy to be thirsty in, a, in a, a, a climate like that. Difficult to understand, you know, when we're surrounded by water all over the place uh, at the moment. But it is possible. And Isaiah speaks of a land that is parched and dry. Verse 1, he says, The desert and the parched land will be glad, and the wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Verse 6, Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Now, Isaiah is a prophet. He's also a poet. And he's speaking, uh, he's communicating through poetry, and yet he's still saying something very important. And he's saying that the Lord will bring life to the dry land. He'll bring life to places that look and feel dry. And you know this, you know your Bibles, but you know that one of the ways that God speaks about life is through water. One of the images of life that God uses in the Bible is, is of water. Because quite simply, water, we need water in life, don't we? Without water, we die. Without water, there is no life. Without water, plants die. For there to be life, we need water. It's fundamental. Why is there no life on Mars? Because there's no water. And the point of this is that Jesus gives life. He gives us new life. He gives us the water of his spirit so that we flourish and grow into the people that he wants us to be, that he wants us to grow into. And and, and remember again the situation that Isaiah is speaking into. The people need to hear that. They need to hear that God is going to give them new life because they're in a dry place, a difficult place. And so this word would have been so encouraging to them. There will be pools of water. Where there seems to be no life, new life will come. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. There will be streams of burst forth in the the deserts. How is that to be? Because they will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. That joy is possible. That joy is with them. And it can be theirs and it can be yours and mine too. So the joy of the Lord is given to us in new life through water. So that's one reason to be glad is that there is new life. Another reason to be glad is that the Lord gives salvation and healing to those who are weak. Let's look at these verses together, verses 3 to 5. Wonderful words. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. 
He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. These are beautiful words, hope-filled words. And yet, again, especially if you realize the situation that these people are in, you realize, you know, so hope-filled because they are up against it. They are outnumbered many, many, many times over. They're just a little remnant of, of, of Israel, just a little remnant left. And little Judah, as the knees are knocking, you know, quite literally, they are going to be scared. What have they got against Assyria? What have they got against Babylonia? Nothing. They are a tiny remnant. They're on the verge of being wiped off the map. How can they wear a smile? Because this is a, a world where people have lost their nerve. It's a place of sorrow and sighing and fearful hearts. They're looking out on the horizon and, and looking at what the, 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 the enemy that's going to come and take their homes and their livelihoods to be carried off to slavery. And if we're honest, then our, our fears aren't quite so different to theirs. Fears of crime. Fears of sickness. Fears of poverty. Fear of the future. Fear of death. Fear of things we can hardly explain. Fear of shadowy terrorists who strike so unexpectedly. And yet that all changes, says Isaiah. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. Fear is replaced with joy. Not empty joy, but real joy, profound joy. Because God draws near. The Lord has come. God comes into the world. And so suddenly sad and lonely people become people full of joy. They see his glory. They see his splendor. They see his majesty. And then we see that Isaiah is, is opening up a different vista. A new vista. A new horizon becomes possible because Isaiah is now prophesying ultimately the coming of God's Son. The Messiah, the glory of Israel, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the one and only Son, comes into the world to show us what God is like. To show us how powerful he is, how kind he is, how compassionate he is, how wise he is. Jesus comes to, to show us that we are not alone and we've never been alone. Yes, our enemies are fierce. Yes, our fears are real, but God knows all about them and what is more, he cares. He cares. He cares enough to do something. He cares enough to become one of us. He cares enough to stoop down to our level. He cares enough to put his shoulder underneath our burdens and our fears and our worries to take them away. One of the most amazing things that Jesus says is this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's amazing and wonderful. You can give all your fears and burdens to him, and he will take them off your weary back. The truth is that Jesus cared enough to be born into our world, to live for us, to die for us, to be our saviour. And when the lame and the blind meet Jesus, they are changed. They are healed. Those who are fearful are suddenly full of joy. Not because they've been told to lighten up, no. Because they have met 
Jesus. A new joy has entered the world. Hear that whisper of Isaiah. Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. So there can be joy because there is new life. There is joy because of salvation and healing. And lastly, why is there joy? Because the Lord gives a way to those who are confused. We were, talking, we were thinking about fun a minute ago, weren't we? And the joy of the Lord isn't pointless fun. It's not like a sort of circus fairground ride. You go on it and you go round it and round it and then you come off it again. You think, you know, that was, that was fun, but I can't quite see the point of it. It's not like that. The joy the Lord gives is full of purpose. It's full of meaning. And when the Lord comes, he brings a way out of confusion. In fact, the Lord says through Isaiah that the Lord is going to build a motorway, a highway, for us to get somewhere on. You were probably like uh, me a week last Friday. Debbie and I were um, trying to get to uh, Wolford, where Amy is at college, and we got absolutely stuck on the road. It was absolute chaos on the road. You, you might well have experienced it yourself in the last week or so. But the road was literally going nowhere. We were going nowhere on that road. But this road is different because on this road, the people will get somewhere. And not only that, there won't be traffic problems. There won't be people trying to bump you off the road. There won't be these ferocious beasts. There won't be these wicked fools on the road. No. Because the people on this road know where they're going. They know their destination. And this road is called the way of holiness. Now again, you know this because you're well-educated people. And you know that before Christianity was called Christianity, and before Christians were called Christians, our faith was simply known as the way. We were known as people of the way because it's the way back to God. It's the way of holiness. It's the way we become holy. It's the way of forgiveness. It's the highway of the ransom, the highway of the redeemed. For those who have been bought back, And again, for those who are listening to Isaiah, they would have understood that straight away, that idea of ransomed and redeemed. That would have meant something to them, more than it does to us. Because in those days, if you fell on hard times, if you were in a a place of misfortune, if you were in a place of debt, and if you were in a place where you could be sold into slavery, you had to have someone to buy you back, to redeem you. And that is what happened. Your rich relative, if you were in a place of misfortune, you had to be brought back. You had to be redeemed. To be released. To be given your freedom back. And that is a perfect picture of what Jesus has done for us. Because the Bible says we were sold as slaves to sin. We'd run over debt we couldn't pay. We, would, we couldn't pay it because, as another verse says, we were bondage, in bondage all our lives by our fear of death. And then Jesus becomes our relative. Jesus becomes our elder brother. He becomes flesh and blood. And he becomes our rich elder brother. And he buys us back. He pays the price to buy us out of slavery. He gives himself as a hostage to death so that we can be redeemed and released and become the redeemed of the Lord. And not only that, he rose from dead and he's destroyed death forever. 
And we can know that freedom when we come to Jesus. We can know the peace and the joy that passes understanding. Because we know the promises of the Bible stand true for all time. The words of Isaiah that he spoke all those years ago are true today. We have a reason to smile even when we're not having fun because of the gift of Jesus Christ. The truth is, my friends, Jesus gives life to the thirsty, salvation to the weak, and a way ahead for those who are confused. The gift of Jesus is salvation and forgiveness, and there we find a real reason for lasting joy. Thanks be to God for his wonderful gift. Let's pray.